قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي Say, O Prophet ﷺ, this is my way. What is my way? The way of Tawheed. The way of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. And this was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. This was the way of Yusuf ﷺ. Whether he was in Palestine or he was in Egypt, who did he worship? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether he was working as a slave or he was being persuaded by a woman, or he was in jail, or he was on a seat of great honor in Egypt. Who was his Lord? Allah. Whose servant was he? Allah's servant. قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي And this was the way of every messenger. This was the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إِلَى اللَّهِ I call to Allah. I don't call to myself. I don't call to a political ideology. I don't call to you know, a person. No, I call to Allah. Because Allah made you and you are for Him. You need to worship Him. Everyone needs Allah. So the messengers called people to Allah. Ala basiratin. I call people to Allah on the basis of basira. What is basira? It's from basar. What does basar mean? To see, to look at. Basira is basically clear proof, which is as evident as something that you can see. As real, as effective as something that you can see. It has no doubt, no doubt at all. It's like, you know, when you see something, do you have any doubt about its existence? No. About its color? No. It's clear to you. Likewise, basira is clear proof, which when it is given, then there's no doubt left. Then the matter is certain. Basira, clear proof. Meaning, this is not something that I'm following blindly. Rather, I call people to Allah based on sound proof, based on ilm, evidence. Ana, I, meaning I call people to Allah, ala basira, wamani tabani, and also those who follow me. Meaning, those who follow Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when they call people to Allah, then how should they call people to Allah? Based on what? Basira, clear proof. Meaning, they have to have that faith themselves in order to call people to that faith. Because think about it, if you are not convinced yourself about something, then how can you tell other people about it? How can you convince other people about it? If a salesperson does not believe in the product that he's selling, how can he sell it? How can he? Think about it. Has it ever happened to you that you go to a store and you're discussing with somebody about what your real needs are, if you should you know, buy a certain thing or not, and they tell you, then you know what, you shouldn't buy this. No, no, they will convince you that what they have is the best product for you. Even if they know in their hearts that it's not the best for you. Right? Because they believe that what they have should be sold because they need to make a profit, they must make a profit. And because of that, they can easily convince Others also. Have you ever been convinced by someone and later on you're like, what was I thinking? Hmm? Has it ever happened? Somebody just makes you spend like $50 or $100 or sign up for something and then later on your family says, are you crazy? What happened? You just got convinced because they were talking about their product so passionately that their expressions were enough to tell you that you should buy it. So a da'i, someone who is calling people to Allah, cannot be shaky 
about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about their faith in Allah. No. They have to have love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fear of Allah, ikhlas, sincerity for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their heart. And when they will have it, they can pass it on easily. Because da'wah is all about heart to heart. When it comes from the heart, it will reach the heart. And if it doesn't come from the heart, then it will just bounce back. It will not have any effect. Why do you think the da'wah of the Prophet ﷺ was so successful? You know like Abdullah bin Salam anhu, he was a Jew. And not an ordinary Jew, he was a rabbi. Okay? You're talking about someone who's hardcore. This sahabi, when he was in Medina, he says that when the Prophet ﷺ first arrived at Medina when he did hijrah, everybody went you know, outside Medina in order to welcome the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, I was one of those people. That to see, okay, who is this man? Not that he wanted to welcome him, but he just wanted to go and see what the Prophet ﷺ was like. And he said, when I saw him, I knew that that face was not the face of a liar. Not the face of a liar. He said, his face told me that he was a truthful man. And the first words that he heard the Prophet ﷺ say were what? Does anyone know? Does anyone know? The first words that Abdullah bin Salam heard the Prophet ﷺ say, O people of Shus Salam, spread the salam, give food to others, and pray at night while the people are sleeping, and you will enter Jannah in safety and security. So Abdullah bin Salam, he saw the Prophet and he said, not a liar. He's got to be a real Prophet. Why? Because the Prophet he was convinced in his heart. He called people to Allah based on Basira. Basira. He meant it. What do we do? We just copy words from here and we paste them there. We hear somebody's words and then we just repeat them. doesn't touch our heart and we're not able to convey properly. But think about it. If something has really made an impact on you, then you don't even remember the name of the author or the book or the speech or the lecture. You're able to express it yourself. And when you express it yourself, it's your own words, your own feelings, then they have a different kind of impact completely. So, أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرَةٍ أَنَا وَمَنِ اتَّبَعَنِي وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ And glorified is Allah, perfect is Allah. وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And I am not of those who do shirk. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا And we have not sent before you, O Rasulullah wasallam, except men. Meaning, messengers before you, who were they? Rijal, plural of rajul, men, meaning human beings. Nuhi ilayhim. We revealed to them. We sent wahi to them. Yusuf alayhi salam was a man. Yaqub alayhi salam was a man. And you, O Prophet ﷺ, are also a man. Nuhi ilayhim. We did wahi to them. And they were min ahlil qura, from the people of the towns. Meaning, they were people who lived amongst others. Messengers were who? People who lived amongst others. Who were known to their people. And messengers were chosen from which people? Ahlil Qura. Qura, remember? Population, meaning big towns. Not small villages. 
Why main, main towns? Why major towns? So for example, Yusuf a.s. he was taken out of Palestine, sent to Egypt. A big place compared to a small village. Why? Why? Because the people of bigger cities, they're different. Hmm? They run the traditions. They change the traditions. Whatever they do, they are followed by others. Right? They're the ones who are the trendsetters. The trendsetters. People of big cities. And people of small cities, what do they do? They just follow others. Right? And think about it. If something happens or takes place in a major city, then news, it will spread very quickly everywhere. But if something happens in a small city, then will the news spread? Possibly not. Or maybe people will come to find out much later. Something that happens in a big city spreads big, spreads very quickly. So this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose messengers from big cities. So for example, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was from where? Mecca. As opposed to Ta'if. Or as opposed to Jeddah. Or as opposed to Medina. He was from Mecca. From Mecca he went to Medina. Right? Likewise, Yusuf alayhi wa he was from Egypt. Right? Earlier also we have learned about the cities of Madian. Okay? And so on and so forth. Major cities. Min ahlil qura. أَفَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ Have they not traveled in the earth? فَيَنْظُرُوا So they look, كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ How is the consequence of the people before them? Meaning the people who are denying you today, Rasulullah wasallam, haven't they taken a lesson from the people of the past? Haven't they seen how the people before, they denied their messengers, and what happened to them? They were punished. وَلَدَارُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٍ And surely the home of the hereafter is better لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا For those people who have taqwa أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Then do you not understand? Meaning the home of the hereafter, the reward in the akhirah, that is much better than the life in this world. Because believing in the messengers surely is difficult. Accepting iman is definitely very, very challenging. And we discussed the reasons earlier as to why it is such a difficult thing. But what does Allah say? The home of the hereafter, it is much better. Just wait for that. Bear the difficulties. And whether a person you know, has everything their way or not their way, life is difficult. It is difficult for every person. Every person is tested. Whether they believe or they disbelieve. So why not suffer in the way of Allah so that at least you have a lot of reward waiting for you? Don't you understand then? Now at the beginning of the ayah, what do we learn about the messengers? That the messengers were all human beings. They were made of clay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent human messengers. Not messengers that were made of light. Who is made of light? Angels. And remember that the status of a human messenger made from clay is better than the status of an angel that is made of light. We understand. Because people try to say, that, oh no, 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 Prophet ﷺ was nur, he was not a human being. Allah is saying messengers were human beings. You're not exalting the status of Muhammad ﷺ by saying that he was made of light. No, you're not exalting his status. In fact, you are reducing it. Because who was made of light? Who is made of light? Angels. And the status of the angels is less than the status of messengers. 
And messengers were human beings. Yusuf was a man, human being. Hatta until, what does it mean by this? Hatta ida stay as a rusul, meaning the messengers, they were human beings. They were sent to their people, but the people they rejected. They suffered a lot of hardship, and every messenger, he had his own set of trials and difficulties. I mean, the trials that Muhammad ﷺ faced were very difficult from the trials that Yusuf ﷺ faced. From the trials that Yaqub ﷺ faced, from the trials that Ibrahim ﷺ faced. Every messenger was tested in a different way. Hatta until, and these tests, they continued. They continued, they didn't stop, they did not end. Until إِذَا stay أَسَرْ رُسُلُ The messengers despaired. Despaired from who? From Allah? No, no, not at all. The messengers never gave up hope in their Lord. What does this mean? They gave up hope in who? In their people. That the messengers gave up that their people were going to believe. Like Nuh salam. What happened after many hundreds of years? He realized that his people were not going to believe. He gave up hope that they're going to believe. حَتَّى إِذَا اسْتَيْأَسَ الرُّسُلُ وَظَنُّوا And they were certain أَنَّهُمْ قَدْ كُذِبُوا That indeed they had been denied. كُذِبُوا It's understood as كُذِبُوا as well as كُذِبُوا If it was كُذِبُوا Then the messengers knew that they had been rejected. That's it. Now they've been rejected by their people and their people are not going to believe. You know it's like if you're trying to do something you and you're facing Like for example, you're trying to convince your mom. Mom, can we go to this place? And she says, no, I'm too tired. So what happens? You try again. Like, mom, can we please go for just a few minutes? And she goes, no, no, no. I don't have the energy to drive right now. And you're like, come on, please, please, please. And finally she says, no. That's it, no. Why? Because I said no. Now when you get that no, what does it mean? No. It's not happening. So then you give up. You just slouch and you go away to your room and you cry in bed or something like that. Right? So this is what? You know that it's not going to happen. So likewise, the messengers, they conveyed once, again, 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 for so many years, so many attempts, and eventually they realized that that's it. These people are not going to believe. They were certain that they had been rejected. If the word is read as kudibu, then it would be translated as they were lied to. And in that case, we will understand, one knew, they thought, they as in the people thought. The people thought that they were lied to. Lied to by who? By the messengers. That they're not really messengers, they're just lying, they're making all of this up. Because if they were really messengers of God, then God would have helped them. How come they're suffering so much? How come nobody's believing in them? How come they're facing so much loss? You know like the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca, what happened after he received prophethood? So many of his children died, right? His sons. One of his sons when he died, what happened? His enemies, they rejoiced. Didn't they? That, oh Muhammad, you are abtar. You are cut off. No one is going to remember you. No one is going to know you. No one is going to talk about you. You're going to be forgotten. They were so happy. That Muhammad sallallahu son had died. Why? Because these people, they thought that the messengers are liars. Because if they were really truthful 
then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not have done this to them. And think about it. What does it show? These words, what do they show? That the situation became very difficult for the prophets of Allah. They were tested so severely, one test after the other, that the situation was only worsening every day. You know when you're going through some difficulty, you hope that the next day will be better than the previous maybe? That if you have some pain in your body, you hope that, okay, hopefully tomorrow I will experience less pain. But for the messengers, what happened? Each day was worse than the previous. Each day was more difficult than the previous. Look at the life of Yusuf a.s. Out of the well, sold as a slave. And then, okay, maybe he's going to live as a slave forever. No, it doesn't stop there. The situation becomes much more worse. And then he's in the prison. Then what happened? Then our help came to them. What does it show? The help of Allah doesn't come immediately. It doesn't come right away. When does it come? When things become very, very, very difficult. When they become almost unbearable. And if Allah tested His messengers this way, His messengers, if they were tested this way, then what do we think about ourselves? Then what do we think about ourselves? How do you think? We expect the help of Allah to come overnight. We expect that today, we are praying for the Muslims in Gaza, and tomorrow, everything should be perfect. But what happens? One year after another goes by, we hope that maybe things will improve in Syria, things will improve in Egypt, things will improve all over the world for the Muslims. But what happens? Every news story makes you think that the situation is getting darker and darker, more and more difficult, because the help of Allah does not come immediately. Allah sends His help a little late. Why? Why? To test us, to see what we do. If you think about it, was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala incapable of helping Yusuf when he was in the well? Was he incapable? No. Was Allah incapable of helping Yusuf when he was sent to prison? Not at all. Why did Allah not send help to Yusuf right away? We discussed the reasons. It was a test, right? To make him more stronger, to make him grow through this situation. Because what happens is that we Muslims, we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe in His angels, we believe in miracles. What happens is that we become lazy and we want things to happen just because we are making dua. And we don't want to do anything ourselves. We want to go on lying, we want to go on cheating, we want to go on living our selfish lives, not care about the Muslims who are just across the border from us. And we think Allah should help them. Because they believe in Allah, because we are making dua. There's more change that is required from us. Allah is testing us. What do we do? Ramadan. We spend time thinking about what we're going to eat for iftar, what we're going to eat for suhoor, what we're going to wear on Eid day, what gifts are we going to exchange, how we're going to you know, set up our house, who we're going to call, how much money we're going to spend. How much money are we thinking of spending on our Muslim brothers and sisters. 
How much? Are we thinking about bringing joy to other Muslims? These situations that are very, very tough, that are very, very difficult, are for a reason. For a reason. It's not that Allah does not want to answer our prayers. It's not that Allah does not love us. It's not that He doesn't want to show mercy on the Muslims. No. The Muslim ummah is the chosen ummah. We are the people of Qur'an. We are the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah does not hate us. No. He loves us. He wants to honor us. But we have to do something. We have to make a change in our lives. We need to beg Allah for forgiveness. We've developed that attitude of you know, taking things for granted and feeling that we deserve it all. We don't deserve it all just because we're Muslim. We have to strive for it. We have to strive to improve our character, our relationships with people, and then Allah's help will come. Also, um, Allah's help is with the jama'ah, so people who work together. Yes. Good. I was just thinking, people say that God is so cruel, He lets people suffer, but if you ask anybody, Muslim or not, um, like what was the t- point of change in your life? It was always some sort of hardship. So there is always wisdom behind the hardship that people are experiencing. The prophets of Allah, they experienced a lot of difficulty. Think about the life of Rasulullah What happened in Mecca? Things were just getting tougher and tougher and tougher every day. To the point that his last night in Mecca, the mushrikeen had planned to finish him, to execute him. They wanted that night to be literally his last but that night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala planned that should be the last in Makkah, but the first of a new chapter in his life, of a big turning point in his life. So, حَتَّى إِذَا اسْتَيْأَسَ الرُّسُلْ وَظَنُّوا أَنَّهُمْ قَدْ كُذِبُوا then جَاءَهُمْ نَصْرُنَا Then our help came to them. فَنُجِّيَ مَنْ نَشَاءَ Then we rescued whomsoever we willed. وَلَا يُرَدُّ بَأْسُنَا عَنِ الْقَوْمِ الْمُجْرِمِينَ And our بَأْس, our punishment, is not repelled from a criminal people. Meaning Allah will punish the criminals. Because He knows the crimes that they are committing. He knows. He sees them better than us. He hears them better than us. He witnesses them better than us. And He is the one who is most, most just. So just because... Muslims are suffering today, or just because a particular individual is suffering in his life and things don't seem to change, don't think God doesn't care about you. He does. Because the mazloom, the person who is being oppressed, his dua is heard. But there is a time that is fixed for it. Mufti Menk, have you heard his lectures recently? The Ramadan series? He's been uh, doing the stories of the companions. And one story that he mentioned was about Khabab bin Al-Arat. And this is a story that really blew my mind. It blew my mind. Khabbab bin Al-Arat is one of those companions who embraced Islam very early on in Mecca. And he was one of those companions who suffered a lot like Bilal who suffered. Because he was also a slave. And a woman owned him. Khabbab bin Al-Arat. When he became Muslim, she would heat up these blocks or sheets or plates of iron heat them up and place them on his head. Place them on his head. Just imagine. 
she would place them on his head. And Khabbab bin al-Arat, he was patient. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he does not ignore the one who is suffering. He does not abandon his servant. You know what happened to that woman? She got seriously ill. And her head would hurt. And the people tried everything to help her. And the only thing that would work was heated iron placed on her head. They would have to heat up iron and place it on her head. So that pain, that headache would go away. But that would bring a different kind of pain. And she would scream and scream and scream. She did this to Khabbab in Al-Arad. And Allah did that to her. Allah did that to her. So don't think that the people who are criminals, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not bring justice to them. He will. He will punish them. Because He knows better than you what they're doing. What we should really worry about is ourselves. What are we doing? What are we doing? How much are we calling upon Allah? How much is it that we are expecting for help from Him? How much is it that we are following His orders? How much is it that we are striving in our lives to please Him? Yusuf just because he was in the prison or just because he was a slave, he did not ignore the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He didn't commit haram just because he was in a tight situation. And what do we do? On every little excuse, we eat haram, we do haram, we earn haram. And we expect that our du'as should be answered immediately. Throughout the entire Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives examples of different nations that were destroyed. And He's constantly asking, do you not reflect, do you not ponder, do you not understand, don't you think? And if you think about it, it's similar for us because it's constantly, if you are doing the actions that they are doing, if they did, then why do you expect that He will be forgiving of you? Why aren't you fearful? If He punished them for what they did wrong, you're doing the same thing. That doesn't mean you're suddenly going to be saved while they weren't. Yes. What is it that we say about Allah? Our words about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're usually negative. How is it different from the people who were punished by Allah? Assalamu I was listening to a lecture and the speaker, he said, he was like, the Muslim ummah is one body. So sometimes what we do here is can reflect upon the people around the world. Like it can result in their suffering and not directly but indirectly. So our spiritual state is a reflection of what's going on like the zulm on other Muslims around the world. And it's because like here we do so much israf, we're so ungrateful, look at the state of our heart. So sometimes we just need to fix ourselves and focus on ourselves first. And it will just help the whole Muslim ummah in a way that we don't even realize. Yes. It's like you eat something with your mouth. It goes into your stomach. But what happens? The reaction is somewhere else on the body. Right? So likewise, Muslims could be doing something wrong in one place, but because of that, other Muslims are suffering because Muslims are one body. We are connected. Allah says that the righteous servants will inherit the earth. So if we were doing everything right, people wouldn't be, Muslims wouldn't be suffering all over the world. It's because of us that people are suffering. We don't even care. Yes. If you think about it, Yusuf who did he have control over in his life? Only himself. And not even on his body in the sense that because he was a slave, he couldn't go about because he was in the prison. He had control over his heart, his thoughts his actions. 
right? This is how change begins from the individuals. From the individuals. We need to change ourselves. Each person work on himself, on herself. Work towards honesty, being more faithful, better akhlaq, and then a greater change can happen. There was this quote that there was this old man who was on his deathbed and he was saying that he wanted to change the world when he was young, but he could never do it. So he said that if I had changed myself, I could have changed my family, who could have changed the community, who could have in turn changed the world. So if we change ourselves, then we can change the people who are around us and then inshallah change the world. Yeah. It takes generations for a change to come. Generations, many years. And it's not within the capacity of a human being to eliminate poverty, to eliminate injustice. It's not within the power of any one person. You just you know, put the drop that is within your capacity. And inshallah, a reaction will be caused. And as a result, a greater change will happen. So each person focus on himself, on herself. And this is what we learn from the prophets of Allah. In the prison, he is a muhsin. As a slave, he is a muhsin. And when he is given honor, he is even better muhsin. وَلَا يُرَدُّ بَأْسُنَا عَنِ الْقَوْمِ الْمُجْرِمِينَ Also one more thing that I've been thinking about recently. You know when you go for salah, or you know, people forward you videos of du'as that are being made in witr. I almost feel shy participating in that du'a. Because there's no istighfar. There's no confession of own sins. That, Ya Allah, forgive us our sins. Forgive us for our shortcomings. No. There's no praise of Allah. Just instantly, Ya Allah, help the Muslims. Ya Allah, honor the Muslims. Ya Allah, humiliate the non-Muslims. Come on, how gutsy can you be to ask the Lord of the world like that? You better show some kind of humility before Him first. What did the prophets do? La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimin. Adam alayhi salam, what did he say? Rabbana zalamna anfusana. Zalamna anfusana. It's our fault. We have been wrongdoers. We have been sinning. Ya Allah, what we see, what we suffer, is the consequences of our own shortcomings. Because you are muhsin, you are al-adl, you are not unfair to your servants. This is our sins coming before us. So Ya Allah, you forgive us our sins. Show humility and then ask. So realize the greatness of the one you are asking and realize your own smallness. Yusuf salam, what did he say? رَبِّي قَدْ آتَيْتَنِي مِنَ الْمُلْكِ وَعَلَّمْتَنِي مِنْ تَأْوِيلِ الْأَحَادِيثِ فَاطِرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَنْتَ وَلَيِّي فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرِ I need you. You are perfect. You are the best. I just wanted to say, um, I was watching a video on the Daily Reminder Network and it said in, there's a condition for our du'as to be accepted. And there was two conditions. One is that it has to be sincere, and the second one is that we have to eat halal. And the fact that we make du'a and um, and we eat haram, that doesn't mean necessarily that du'a will be accepted. So yes. we should reflect yes. on what we're eating. So we really need to change the way we ask Allah, and also we need to change our ways, our practices, our habits, if we want Allah's help to come. And when help is delayed... Why is it delayed? So that you check yourself. Am I doing something wrong here? Am I not asking properly? It's like, you know, when you are sending an email to somebody to hopefully get a response and you don't get something, then you 
try again on a different email and then you're like, maybe I'm sending it on the wrong address, what's going on? You don't say, yeah, I sent an email five years ago, so I'm just waiting for the response. No, you find out why you haven't gotten the response. How we can address them in our emails, and if we're not addressing them the right way, they're not going to reply. So it's like that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we're not addressing him the right way, it's, he's not going to answer us. To realize who we are and realize who he is and ask him appropriately. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to mention that story of a prophet. I think it's Prophet Musa Islam when he made the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower some rain in the town when there is no rain. and But he was replied saying that there's a man amongst you that's doing a lot of sin. And that's why that's you've been deprived. The whole town has been deprived. So because of the sins of one person, many are deprived. Many have to suffer the consequences. Why? Because... Those who see wrong being done, they don't stop it. لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ Certainly, in their qasas, in their stories, meaning stories of the past nations, there is a lesson. For who? لِأُولِ albab, For those of understanding. عِبْرَةِ is from the root letters عَيْنْ عُبُورْ which is from the same root is to cross over. So for example, you are walking and there is like a river. Okay, or a stream. So you have to cross over it. What do you use? A bridge. This is ubur. So you went from one place to the other. Ibra is to take a lesson. How? That you go beyond the surface of what is happening. You reflect on it. And you think, what is my Lord teaching me here? What can I learn from this situation? You know, one is to say, yeah, in the life of Yusuf Islam, this happened and that happened and that happened. Okay, that's just a story. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just want us to know the story. He wants us to go beyond the story, have some insight, reflect over the events, and take a lesson. لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ But who will go beyond the surface? أُولِ albab, People who have some intellect. مَا كَانَ حَدِيثًا يُفْتَرَى this is not a speech that has been fabricated. Walakin, but tasdiq, it is a confirmation of what? Alladhi bayna yadayhi, that which came before it. Meaning the Torah and the Injil. The story of Yusuf being mentioned in the Quran, that itself is a confirmation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent revelation earlier. Wa tafseel, and this Quran is also a tafseel, a detail of kulla shay, of everything. Meaning everything that people need to know for guidance. The Quran details all of those matters. وَهُدًا And a guidance وَرَحْمَةً And a mercy For who? لِقَوْمِ يُؤْمِنُونَ For people who believe In the beginning The Qur'an is huda It is guidance But when a person Accepts that guidance He internalizes it He applies it He benefits from it Then the Qur'an becomes Rahma for him A source of mercy for him At the beginning it is guidance But its outcome is Rahma so this huda has come, this Qur'an has come. Let's reflect on it, implement it, so that we can deserve Allah's rahmah. For who? لِقَوْمِ يؤمنون For those people who believe. In the last ayah, Allah says there are lessons in the story. Stories of who? The people of the past. Especially the prophets of Allah. In this surah, we learned about the story of Yusuf a.s. What are some of the lessons that we can learn from the story of Yusuf alayhi salam? Is there anything that you have learned 
that perhaps you understood a lesson, Arij? Islam to um, even ask someone else to do something for him. So like to get to that level, we really need to just hold on to Allah and nothing else, no one else. Yes. Over here, behind you. I think the biggest lesson I learned from this surah is probably for sabr and jameel. The importance of sabr, the importance of beautiful sabr, not ugly sabr. Because we say we're doing sabr, but we are not doing beautiful sabr. Go ahead. I think the most outstanding thing for me was that all the plans are in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We really have no control on even our own life. If He plans for something to go one way, then no matter what we try to do, uh, you know, otherwise, it's Him leading us to something. And it's always better for us in the end. Yes. If we surrender. Assalamualaikum. I learned that how Yusuf al-Islam, he worked on himself and his character and his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And despite like all his hardships, he didn't turn it into something negative, but he had the most beautiful character and Allah ta'ala gave him everything that he didn't even ask for and it just made his life amazing. And all he did was just work on himself. You see, Yusuf surrendered. He surrendered. And surrender means that you embrace, you accept everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends your way. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is for you, you accept it. And this is submission. And when a person submits before Allah, then Allah will give him more than he can imagine. I think one of the profound lessons that I've learned was the real tawakkul of Allah, tawakkul in Allah. Because like, you know, Everyone, we all like to say that we really trust in Allah. We do put our trust in Allah, but it is not like that when the difficulties hit us. Like recently, I I like went through many changes at my work, where we moved from downtown to Brampton. So like that kind of really made it hard for me to travel. So it was at that time I really needed to have the luckle of Allah because I started applying elsewhere because Brampton was so hard for me. But during that time, I found myself that, do I really have tawakkul in Allah? Because when you do, you need that tawakkul, you have to really hold yourself down because shaitan is like, oh no, just do this. Oh no, you don't have tawakkul. Oh no, fight your manager and all that kind of stuff. There were so many things going through my mind. And during that time, I really had to hold myself down and really establish tawakkul of Allah. Alhamdulillah. Assalamualaikum. One lesson that really stood out for me was how easily Yusuf Alaihissalam forgave his brothers. And like since we read that ayah, it's been like nagging me because his brothers threw him in a well. He was stuck there for Allahu Alam how long? And you know, despite all of it, and he went to the prison for so many years, and he had to literally fight to come out and prove his innocence and so many things. And I know that many of our siblings have not thrown us in a well, and we've gone through much, much like less hardships but yet it's so hard for us to forgive people we hold on to grudges for so many years like I know my grandparents have held on grudges for people a long time for various reasons and it was beautiful how Yusuf Asam, despite everything just forgave his brothers so easily and he didn't even mention that you know you did this and this and this he just forgave them and think, I think that will inshallah hopefully stay with me forever yes. and you see when he forgave them who increased in his honor even more Yusuf himself. Because the one who forgives, I mean, it shows a lot of dignity and honor that is within the person. Go ahead. 
Assalamu alaikum. I want to extend the same concept. It's easier to be to do sabr when you have no capacity when you have no option. Yes. If you're weak, if you're a slave or you're in some kind of challenge, that is your only option and probably you have nothing option. else to do. But when you're in power and when you know you're right and when you know if you enforce your power now, it will get you what you want to get done. At that point just doing sabr is the hardest thing. The fact that his brothers were standing right across him and saying that Bin Yamin had another brother and he used to steal and all that. And at that point not saying a single word is the hardest thing that somebody could do and he did it. Subhanallah. Assalamualaikum. I also think how it was amazing when he was forgiving his brothers. He didn't say, and I know that you guys were horrible people and you guys threw me in a wall and ditched me. He's like, he blamed it on shaitan. So when they did forgive, there was no resentment built and that he moved on and subhanAllah with the patience that he endured, he also grew personal strength and tolerance. So when he did meet people, he understood people and which made him a better prophet, made him a better person because when you do endure a lot of hardship and you do endure a struggle, you grow something inside of you and you build character. And Yusuf subhanAllah built that a lot. Yes. Quickly. One thing that stood out to me the most was that this was a story of strength. Every time something bad happened to Yusuf he didn't become weak. He just became stronger. He increased in his ihsan. So bad things don't happen to you to bring you down. They actually happen to you to raise you. Yes, very true. Assalamu alaikum. Um, this story, I can't sum it up what I learned, but one thing that stood up for me was like the father. As a parent, I feel how it's hard when your kid had a problem or imagine how many years he was missing his son and yet he didn't mention anything, he didn't complain, he didn't whine up or anything, nothing he didn't say. But doesn't mean that he was not feeling bad or sad. He was like in agony and that showed even his physical appearance because he lost his eyes because of that. Yes. And that for me was like, and we are complaining. We shouldn't even think about complaining what we have and what we have every single day in our lives. He complained only to Allah. Sabrina? One lesson that really stood out for me is that whatever you do for the sake of Allah, whether it's being patient, whether forgiving, that Allah will never waste your reward, but have these two keys in life is taqwa and sabr. Yes. Just wanted to say that uh, I reminded myself that difficulties are not here to stay. Eventually they'll go away. Sometimes it lasts for a very long time, but nothing really remains. Yes. So change that no matter what happens ultimately what will happen it will pass because if you think about it every single moment on this earth what's happening change change is something that's constant in life things are changing in your body if you bring some fruits leave it in your refrigerator what's going to happen it's going to change over time right things are always changing life is impermanent circumstances in life even they are temporary whatever is going on it will certainly change it will certainly come to an end if you think about the life of Yusuf on the one hand there's slavery and on the other hand there's a lot of authority and power what a big change on the one hand he's thrown into a well and on the other he's being you know honored by his brothers what a big change so no matter what happens don't give up hope. Realize that this will change. But while you are going through that difficulty, concentrate on what? Ihsan. Nothing remains forever. 
No sorrow, no worry, no anxiety, no power, no wealth, no poverty, no misery, no headache. Nothing remains forever. It will eventually change. Yusuf Ali Salaam went to prison and eventually also came out. Right? Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. The thing really, you know, touched me. He was a very optimist person. He always looked at the brighter part of the picture, mm. not looking at the negativities. All the time he's always been a positive person. Yes. And this is what helps you go through the difficulties in life. Assalamu I think what I learned was uh, taking responsibility for your actions. We see that Prophet Yusuf um, he was, no matter where he was, in what situation, he never blamed the people or his situation for what he did. So he always looked at himself, what he had done wrong. And what we tend to do is uh, when something goes wrong or when we do something wrong, we blame other people that he made me do this or she told me to do this or this happened. And if not people, then we blame Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So astaghfirullah, we should always think about that. Yes. And this is something that really holds us back in life. When we are not happy with our situation, when circumstances are not ideal, and tell me, when are they ideal? When are they ideal? Never. They can never be ideal. But in every situation that happens, when we start focusing on the problems, and we start blaming people, we start blaming the circumstances, and as a result, we can't do what we can do. You know, for example, you go to have a picnic with your friends, and it starts raining, pouring, and you're soaked. And one is that you start complaining. Why? Why did you not think, mom, before coming here to check the weather? And the other is that you're like, oh, fun, we caught wet. Enjoy. Go ahead. One thing that touched me is when you were talking about change and how we see the signs of Allah all around us, but still people don't believe. Because, like, for example, Allah keeps telling us in the Quran, like, we'll come back to Him and that will die and then He'll resurrect us. But we still don't believe. But there's things that are, like, He shows us proofs that it will happen. Like, for example, like the cells in your body change so rapidly that every 10 years, every single cell in your body is different. Meaning, like if you're 20 years old now, you have nothing physically in common with your 10-year-old self. So he's even showing us proof that he can wow. like, give us a new body and bring us back to life. And we still don't so every single that. cell? Approximately every 10 years, every cell in your body is new. So you have nothing in, physically in common with 10 years ago. Wow, amazing. One thing that really stood out to me from this surah was um, how Allah works in, a, in very subtle ways. Um, like when he's planning out somebody's life. So for example, Prophet Yusuf, uh, when he was taken from his father and then his brothers were planning against him and then he was thrown into a well and then nobody cared about him and then he was sold as a slave. But And like in that situation, it would look like he doesn't have anybody and like maybe nobody's looking out for him and stuff but like Allah was preparing him for something bigger and he was protecting him the whole time and not only did he make him succeed in this world but he gave him like taqwa and patience in his heart so it's just like to remind ourselves like Allah he has your back like he doesn't leave you so to just not forget that and like not give up hope when you're going through something difficult. Yes. One more thing, and I'm sure there are many, many lessons that you want to share, and I encourage you to please write them down so that um, inshallah this can help you now and it can also help other people. 
and it can also help you later because if there's something that you write down yourself you know with your feelings then inshallah it will be more and more beneficial one thing that i would like to mention is that those who are tested are certainly rewarded those who are tested are certainly certainly rewarded in this life and definitely in the akhirah and if you are being tried in your life in any way and i'm sure you are every person is you know when you're in that test it's very difficult to deal with it so what can you do in this story what is it that we learn what is it that we can do in order to help us be patient through the test what the hope of reward this realization that those who are tested will be rewarded so if i am being tested right now inshallah there is reward so focus on the prize you know focus your eyes on the prize so that you can keep going and then you'll be able to keep going even though you're tired even though you're exhausted because you're focused on the prize if you think about it the different exams that we take for our education are they easy the different courses different endeavors they're not easy they're very difficult but what is it that makes people study like crazy and you know spend their nights studying with one coffee after another what makes them do it the prize the bright future the bright future it helps them become patient it helps them deal with the hardship when you're focused on the prize so remember with every test is reward but that's if you pass the test if you pass the test you'll be tested and for every test there will be reward if you pass the test and how can you pass the test with sabr how can you have sabr if you keep focusing on what allah has if you keep focusing on the good that can come out of this situation so think about it what is your test in life right now what is your biggest test what is your biggest test and perhaps you feel that you're failing at it miserably just focus on the prize just focus on the reward keep reminding yourself of the reward that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you that you cannot even imagine so be patient one more thing yusuf alayhi salam had no enemies even though his life was very difficult he came across the most challenging situations he came across very difficult people but still he had how many enemies zero enemies zero enemies his enemies turned into his friends his brothers who threw him in the well one day came and said allah has preferred you over us the woman who tried to harm him she said alana hasal alhaq he was right i was wrong all the women they confessed everyone who tried to harm him eventually became his friend why because he was a muhsin he forgave he forgave and he had no enemies and this is why he was a happy person why are we unhappy we have too many enemies spouses and enemies children are enemies neighbors are enemies siblings are enemies 
parents are enemies, grandparents are enemies, uncles are enemies, aunties are enemies. Every person, we have some problem with them. Why? Because we don't get over things that have happened. We keep reminding ourselves and this is why our relationships cannot improve and this is why we are unhappy, we have stress issues, we have so many problems. His character was beautiful and this is why he had no enemies. And this is really something that we need to appreciate in Yusuf and really admire in him. And again, like I said, there's a lot to discuss but inshallah we'll have to end here. Please write and share. Recitation. قل هذه سبيلي أدعو إلى الله على بصيرة أنا ومن اتبعني وسبحان الله وما أنا من المشركين وما أرسلنا من قبلك إلا رجالا نوحي إليهم من أهل القرى أفلم يسيروا في الأرض فينظروا كيف كان عاقبة الذين من قبلهم وَلَدَارُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ حَتَّى إِذَا اسْتَيْأَسَ الرُّسُلُ وَظَنُّوا وَظَنُّوا أَنَّهُمْ قَدْ كُذِبُوا جَاءَهُمْ نَصْرُنَا فَنُجِّيَ مَنْ وَلَا يُرَدُّ بَأْسُنَا عَنِ الْقَوْمِ الْمُجْرِمِينَ لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبَرَةٌ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ مَا كَانَ حَدِيثًا يُفْتَرَى وَلَكِنْ تَصْدِيقَ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَتَفْصِيلَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَهُدًى وَرَحْمَةً لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد والله إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته